Welcome to the Sacramentalist Podcast, a podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts. I'm Father Wesley Walker. And I'm Father Miles Hickson. And I'm Father Creighton McElveen. And today uh, we are recording what is the last episode of our spring 2022 season. Um, And we're going to be talking uh, to Father Miles about some big changes coming up in his life. Uh, But before we get there, how are you all doing? It's good. It's funny you say the end of uh, our spring season. I'm pretty sure like tomorrow's July or the next day or whatever. <laughs> so like, <laughs> It's been a prolonged over. spring season, but it is. Yeah. Summer <laughs> is hot yeah. and it's hard to deal with. So you just extend spring as long as you want. That's hey, right. you know, yeah. here in Maryland, I don't know how it is where everybody else is, but I mean, the kids just got out of school like last week. So it's still uh, no, no kids have been out of school for a while here, at least almost a month. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, we yeah. they're out, and it's just been so hot. It's been miserable. So, uh, yeah. But churches, church is going all right. It's you know, summer's slow in church world. Kind of yes. that things kind of wind down end of June, and really, unless someone dies or is getting married in July and August, nothing really happens. People are traveling, right? Things things aren't going on, and so mm-hmm. even if you don't take vacation or kind of get a sabbatical as a priest, July is just an easy month. You just kind of do your thing. People are busy, so you don't have to, they're not, I, this is going to sound bad. They're not bothering you with a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, I was putting together our bulletin today for Sunday. And I was, I always have, we have like a calendar section, you know, things coming up. It's like, there's really not, there's really not anything. I mean, we're doing like a summer study on Tuesday nights where we're going to have like a parish dinner and, um, and then do a study after that. Um, I don't know. We'll see how well attended it is. Hopefully we'll get some people to show up, but, um, but that's pretty much it. You know, there's not even as many feast days to do and, and it's just, it's more laid back. So it's kind of, kind of a nice couple months here. Right. The long, slow green season. That's right. Yeah. That Trinity is a pilot, isn't it? Yeah. I put the green vestments on this past Sunday and I was like, oof. hello again. Hello, darkness. You're, yeah. Hello, <laughs> darkness. Our, our green vestments are pretty dark. I'm like, you don't look too bad. But in about six weeks, I'm like, oh, Lord, please break the monotony. Break the monotony. Give oh, Lord. Red. Send us your red, your white, your anything but green. Oh, no, the the violet is not always as welcome because that usually means you got to do some fasting. So anything yeah. but violet. <laughs> yeah, I I wish that kind of our I think red's underused as a liturgical color. Right. You only really see red if you're doing uh, a lot of Martyrs. feast days, the, mm-hmm. the week of Pentecost. Uh, I I wish that it showed up more like I, I, I think it's. Is it the is it called the, the, the right of Milan, the Ambrosian right? Is that that weird random Western right? Their baseline color is red. I think red shows up all the time and oh. then kind of white for Easter. I like that. I like, you know, blood of Jesus, martyrs, Holy Ghost makes sense. Green. That's to me also my favorite color. That's also uh, an Orthodox thing. The there's a lot of red. I think um, they use red for sort of an ordinary time Trinity sort of thing as well. Um, the West went with green, new life, kind of got tacked onto that growing, um, and then red sort of in the East, you know, the 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 spirit sort of growing and. Um, kind of a similar way but yeah, yeah but oddly, as I'm, much. I'm pretty sure orthodoxy does green on pentecost 
like the feast of Pentecost is green for the same right. reason of like the Holy Spirit as new life church. But, but then it's red. These are, anyway, yeah, we could talk about colors forever. We could just be like the Coptics and I think they only wear white. They just have one set of vestments. Spoiler alert. Our fall season will be about liturgical colors. Oh, liturgical <laughs> fashion coming to you from the sacramentalist. You don't want that. You don't know. No, 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 no. Well, Miles, you are you have moved recently. Where have you moved to? Yeah, so I have moved to a farm. And the, it is a farm. It's, it's here in the Tennessee area. It's fairly it's, it's within like a 30 minute drive of the parish. So now I live on an 86 acre farm kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I'm, we're going to live there with some other people. So we'll just let that sink in, so, not just our family. So first of all, let's just talk. What what possessed you to to think that was a good idea? Yeah, I know. It's really funny because I think that uh, you, Father Wesley, and maybe to, I don't know, Creighton, we've not really talked about this, but I feel like, Wes, you are, you're an urbanite. Oh, yeah. You love, you love being in the city, doing all the city things. And I see buildings and high rises and, you know, arteries of roads intersecting and i just my blood rate goes up heart rate i'm like oh i gotta i gotta get out of here this is i need some grass and the smell of cow manure so i what possessed me to do this so let me be let me kind of cast the whole vision okay before before you do have you joined a hippie commune uh we'll get there we'll get there so <laughs> i <laughs> i it was it was probably it was it was october 2020 so if we can think back the pandemic is kind of letting up a little bit, but not really. We went to visit some college friends. By we, I mean my wife and I and family in Mississippi, Macon, Mississippi. And if you've ever looked up um, the middle of nowhere in a dictionary, uh, Macon, Mississippi uh, uh. is like the definition. It is beautifully rural and nowhere. And these are these are friends, uh, mainly the wife we knew in college, but we've gotten to know the husband. And he's from Mississippi. He went to Mississippi State. And they wanted to intentionally live kind of a, a rural life that centers on uh, homesteading, growing a lot of their own food, having some animals, and just kind of a return to the land. So we go out there, and I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I just, I knew they had bought this old farmhouse that they're fixing up. And over the course of conversation and like the three or four days we were there, it really resonated with me and my wife. I, they didn't really have a lot going on other than a farm and like, some chickens at the time but on the drive back i was just sitting there almost kind of romanticizing and dreaming with my wife of like man what if we lived in the middle of nowhere and we had you know this this return to the land and growing our food because we have been trying to live healthy lifestyles but recognizing that the way that food is produced in modern america the industrialized approach to food and farming really does us a disservice i mean you can think back if you've listened uh, to the episode listeners of that we did with uh, Kavanaugh, William Kavanaugh about being consumed. There's this breakdown in our understanding of production and consuming and product. And just seeing that this is the conclusion we came to. I see that there's value in living an urban life, being in the throes of culture and downtown and what's going on in the life of the city. I see that there's a lot of benefit too to the rural life. 
of living kind of a creational spirituality with the land and being connected to food and produce and production and harvesting animals and these sorts of things. I really do think that suburbia might be the most deadening form of existence known to mankind. And that's all I've really ever known is suburbia, uh, the grind, driving 40 minutes in, 40 minutes out. We've never done that. But, you know, I, I'm thinking about you, Creighton, living in like you get this in the outskirts of Atlanta, right? People, there's whole communities where no one works there. They just drive into Atlanta and drive back. And it's so deadening. And my wife and I are just coming to a phase of life of saying, what really matters? What's important? What do we want to do with our kids? What's the existence we want to give them? We thought, this, this sounds good. We don't know anything about homesteading or farming, uh, but we immediately came home and I got chicken. So listeners of longtime <laughs> listeners of the podcast have know that I have my great love affair with the chickens in the backyard that keep dying because of hawks. So I got to be a better chicken owner, but just trying to at least start a little bit. And we were like, we don't know where this is going to go. Like, are we actually going to move to some land one day? Well, that then kind of gets added to some conversations with my wife's sister and her husband. My wife's sister, Sarah, has actually been on the podcast before. She's the author of Sacramento Kids, I believe is what it's called. Some various children's books that she both illustrates and authors uh, related to various parts of the sacraments and liturgical life of the church. And we've interviewed her before years ago, long, long time ago. And so her husband, they're finished. He's finishing up his residency in Virginia and they are wanting to relocate to Tennessee. And so we thought, hey, one of the things that kind of is the downside to us about living a more rural life is we, we still want to have community. We don't want every time we want to be with our friends, we want it's going to be a 45 minute drive to go do something. Right. That's that's kind of exhausting. So we need friends. Are you all interested in this sort of vision? And they were. They had already been thinking also about owning some land for different purposes, but wanting to kind of have this sort of lifestyle. Well, then we are probably the friends that we got the closest with in Roanoke when, when I was a uh, when I was doing ministry in Roanoke at that church. Let's see, we left. Um, they're also close with my sister-in-law and her husband. They're now leaving Roanoke. Some other friends that we know left another set of friends left. This family was kind of left going, man, all, it's almost like overnight, really over a couple year period. There's really not a lot left for us in this community. What's next for us in life? <laughs> Excuse me. And so this started as me making some jokes with that family of, well, why don't you all move to Tennessee? And we'll all three families will buy land. We'll live together and do some homesteading stuff and we'll all just live happily ever after. And, you know, if you were to hear me say that, as you all would respond, you would probably go, that's, that's, that's funny. That's insane. Miles, you're, you're a serial killer. I don't know what's going on, but that's not going to happen. Well, over time, this other family was like, what, well, but what if, but what if, what if this something this is something that God might be calling us to? So they were actually in Tennessee because they were visiting uh, Gatlinburg, you know, one of the great vacation spots of the South. I don't know if I'd call it great. It is second only second only to uh, Dolly Dollywood. Dollywood's in Gatlinburg, isn't it? It's in, in Pigeon Forge. Yeah, sure. But Dolly, pardon, peace be upon her, funded it. So that's great. 
People really do she's love dead, it. Is she? She's not dead, no, but okay. that's what you say after a prophet in Islam, right? I was just making it up. She's not dead, though, with all that plastic surgery, she's we'll never know. So she's she's coming back with a vengeance. I see things all the time here in Knoxville. Shirts, bumper stickers, cars, uh, decal, all sorts of stuff. Dolly Parton, she's super popular. It's, it's kind of strange. Where was I? So. They were here visiting. I think they were going to a cabin in Gatlinburg, actually. That's a little bit more classy. And I got into a conversation with, with them. And, and we kind of had a serious conversation. And the husband wanted to know, okay, Miles, what really is your vision? And I kind of laid out this vision of return to the land, not doing, doing good work, hard work, but that is going to be life-giving work for us and for our children a vision of eating well, of food. I mean, if any of our listeners have read Wendell Berry-esque stuff, it's it's this sort of stuff. And it's also maybe influenced a little bit by Benedict option of let's be intentional in our lives, in our community, and in our Christian formation. And maybe a soft withdrawal from suburbia and the world might allow us to catechize our kids really, really well. Or, or it might really mess them up. So we... I'm kidding. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, he took that and with, and he and his wife and his family, and they went on this trip at the cabin. And by the end of that trip, I think that they were saying, okay, well, we're willing to keep moving forward. This sounds actually like something we would like to do. And so we want to just keep moving forward with the prospect and we'll see where it goes. So then we moved to like July, 2021. So last year, July, 2021, all three families actually met and kind of did like a we stayed in the cabin and did something of like a retreat and a planning. And we came up with this vision and we all really call the, uh, the vision to buy a, a piece of land in East Tennessee, move there, subdivide the land. So that way we all own our own separate plots of property, build homes close together. So really we're just choosing our neighbors, but then have some land, like do joint endeavors. It's so much easier to, to raise a cow or goats or a horse if you have three families involved rather than just one. It's so much easier to do a big garden and an orchard if you have three families involved rather than just one. And so that's the idea. And what we've decided to call it, though, is St. Mary's Farm. We wanted this to be something intentional that speaks to our Christian faith because we really see as the foundation of what we're doing kind of monasticism. We, th we think that morning and evening prayer are going to be a part of our daily life together. And so we've, we've kind of expanded the, the Benedictine motto of Ora et Labora, work and um, pray and work, to pray, work and study, to kind of add that study contemplative life to it. And so as we thought about pray, work and study, the figure that came to our mind was from scripture. I proposed it and all the other families liked it was, was St. Mary. We wanted, we wanted a name that would be timeless and classic, you know, not something hokey that's going to sound outdated in like three years. But more importantly, it's that Mary embodies prayer work and contemplation. You know, of course, prayer, she embodies prayer because her great prayer, be it unto me according to thy word that she says to the angel. I mean, this is the heart of our entire project at St. Mary's Farm and the heart of all of our Christian lives. Be it unto me according to thy word. 
that we might be truer disciples of Jesus every day. Work, you know, Mary's not really presented as a worker in scripture, though she is married to St. Joseph, the worker. So there's that connection. But she is an example, I would say an exemplar of kind of the telos of our proposed working on the farm. You know, it is in the it's in the rearing of children and ourselves in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. That is our ultimate labor on this farm. So we could we can just speculate, I think, that the Holy Family was wildly normal and ordinary. You know, a simple family in a simple town doing simple things. You know, Mary probably milked the cow and got water from the well and gave him hay and did all that sort of stuff because that's just what peasant life was. Yet God was there with Mary and Mary in faithful obedience went about doing her work, raising the word for us for the life of the world. And so that's kind of our Mary embodies this, this notion of work that we want to also embody. And then kind of contemplation study. I mean, Mary's the supreme, supreme model of contemplation, right? She led an entire life where she treasures up the, the mysteries of God in her heart from, from Bethlehem to the wedding feast at Cana. And then there at Golgotha, where our Lord's dying, she's there contemplating in all that she does, the mystery of the incarnation. And now she sits at his right hand, crowned with glory, but she's still occupied with his glory constantly. So Mary stood out to us as this supreme model and example. And she comes up again, amazingly. So we decided we wanted to do this, right? And we say, all right, now we have to find a piece of land. So the search began about a year ago. And what a search it's been. We've seen so many properties. We've at least exchanged hundreds, I would think hundreds, maybe it's not quite that many on, you know, Zillow listings on like a text thread, man, properties going crazy in order to get something kind of at least, at least close to Knoxville, right? We don't actually want to be in the middle of Montana where if the power goes out, it's going to take days for them to get to you. We need to be within a 30 to 45 minute drive. Well, that's very coveted land. Well, we to make a long story short, we finally found a piece of property that we were like, I just don't know if this is going to work. It's a little bit more expensive than we wanted to pay. We don't know, but we kind of shared it with the group. I didn't share it. My sister-in-law shared it. And lo and behold, we went and looked at it. And wouldn't you believe I go into the house that's a farmhouse on the property and the man who owns the property in the house does not live there. Some of his workers live in the house. And by workers, I mean 12 immigrant men live in the house. They're all from the south of the border. And I kid you not, every single wall of that house had some sort of image or icon of Our Lady on it. There were statues to Our Lady of Guadalupe. There were flags. There were candles everywhere, everywhere. And I walked away. I said, well, Liz, that's my wife. Liz, this has got to be it. She already owns this land. So we'll just keep going. And so that night uh, I prayed, you know, I, I prayed to the Lord and I, and I said to Mary, Mary, would you ask your son if we could have this land? And we were under contract within three or four days. So her intercessions actually granted us this, this property. At least that's the, that's the story that I'm sticking to. And that's been a theme in the other two families. The other two families are not coming from the Catholic tradition. They're coming from more Protestant faith. And so kind of the name St. Mary bristled one of them at first, like, uh, why are we doing that? That seems Catholic. 
But over time and over some conversation, yeah, Wesley's shaking his head because it is Catholic and so should you, is they've actually come in. And so one of the pieces was for this for this third family uh, that they the wife needed a job to move here. The husband's going to homeschool the kids. He's kind of taking, uh, we could call it early retirement. And the wife needs a job. She's a nurse practitioner. What she she just could not find one, you know, and it was getting to a point where they were saying, look, we're we're not moving unless she has a job, which I, you know, I totally get it. I don't blame them. Well, one can't. No, no, no. They, she couldn't find one. And the husband who he's been the one who's kind of questioned a lot about the Mary stuff. He sent me a text at one point and said, hey, just so you know, I prayed to Mary today. That she would help find my wife a job. Guys, she had a job interview in like a week and a half. And there's just been little stories like that all along, all along where everyone is learning to trust in the intercessions of Our Lady and it's coming through. So St. Mary's name was chosen before any of that, and it just has flown from it. Mm-hmm. Everything's been been working out. So that's the story. Uh, I've My family has moved to the farm. My sister-in-law and her family move tomorrow, and the third and final family move in August. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's the plan. That's the idea. So would you call it a commune or a pseudo monastery or both? Yeah, I, well, it's definitely maybe not either. It's, (laughs) and it's also not a cult. We have to, it's funny when I start, when I start explaining this idea to people, I either don't explain it all because I just don't have time or I don't want to deal with it. But when I actually get into like, it's three families, we're going to all live there and do some joint homesteading. Uh, uh, the looks that I've gotten. And I always say like, just so you know, this isn't a cult. Right. Like, it sounds uh, like what we're someone not, in a cult would say. It sounds like what someone <laughs> in a cult would say. I've, I've had people say, well, you said it, not me. And I say, <laughs> well, we're not going to share finances or spouses. So we're going to try to make, we're, we're going to make sure that things are above board. And when I explain it to people as, Hey, we bought a piece of land, we're subdividing it. And we we're selling it to our friends so we can choose our neighbors. That makes people go, oh, okay. When you start explaining this vision of Christian community, I mean, you just say Christian community living together, boom, 1970s hippie compound. Like you said, Father Creighton, that's what it sounds like. And I mean, maybe there's a little of that, but no, not really. We'll each have our separate houses, separate bank accounts. Um, Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I think the question all the listeners are dying to know is how many chickens will you have? How many chickens will I have? Yeah. Well, and how many will get killed by hawks before you? Yeah. Well, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to remedy the hawk situation. Tomorrow, I've got a something coming—a a special fencing that's supposed to keep the chickens in and the hawks out because it's electric, so they shouldn't be able to get in, and the coyotes. Yeah, you move to the country. There's a whole there's a whole world of animals out there you don't really know about living in the suburbs. So how many chickens will I have? I don't know, but I know that we're planning in the fall or soon we'll get a batch of meat chickens. So it's kind of a different breed. They grow quicker. They get fat really soon. And we plan to butcher them ourselves in um, in the fall. I know in the looks you are giving me, this is why we're doing this, because you're looking at it like, Oh Lord, you can't butcher your own chicken. That's disgraceful. And I also know there's weird medieval stuff about priests can't slay 
other animals. But well, you have the other men on the commune do it. Yeah, I'll just tell them what to do. But I mean, it was it was common part of life forever until the industrialization and the way that food is now a commodity in grocery stores. I mean, everyone raised their own food. I mean, everyone had to know how to butcher a chicken. It was common in England, even just 150 years ago, after you, when you went to someone's house, how you asked them how they're doing, you would ask how the pig is. Right. Because the family pig was, that's how you survived the winter, right? You raised a pig from, from the spring until November or maybe October, you, and you killed it, and that's how you got through the winter. So this sort of relationship or the unrelationship we have with animals and with production and with food is... Um, is, is not is not good and I don't I don't think it's very life-giving and I don't think that it's God intended mm. I can't articulate this as well as others can I would encourage listeners maybe we'll put this in the show notes there is a man he's known you can find him online he's called like the meat smith or he has a, he has a farm called uh, uh, farmstead meatsmiths he's a butcher he's kind of a craft butcher and he's into homesteading but he also is a convert to Roman Catholicism. And it's very obvious that the man has read lots and lots of Thomas Aquinas and uh, Aquinas or Thomistic philosophy and theology. And the way that he can articulate natural theology and natural philosophy surrounding butchery and raising animals is amazing. It's like a Catholic theology lesson with a pig in all the right ways. So I would really encourage listeners, if you're like intrigued by some of the things I'm saying, that go listen to him. And I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes to just talk about that we live in the natural order and that it's okay for us to be a part of this natural order. And that puts us in a certain place in the food chain and that there's a way in which agriculture fits into what it means to be human. If people want to follow your project. Where can they do that? Yeah, so I am not really much on the social medias personally, but my wife and her sister are, I mean, they're like digital content creators and marketing. Gurus. Yeah, they're very good at it. And so there is an Instagram page and I had to create an Instagram account just to look at the page. Hmm. And so you can follow this and there's already a number of posts with pictures of the farm and things that are going on. It's um, at S-T Mary's, M-A-R-Y-S, Farm, T-N, Tennessee. Very so cool. at St. Mary's Farm, Tennessee. So I'd encourage you, yes, all of you should go follow because that that's probably going to be one of the best ways to keep up with me in my life. Yes, absolutely. And of course, the reason that's necessary is because why? The reason that's necessary to follow me there to keep up with my life is because after after a season of prayer and discernment, I have come to believe that Solomon's words, there is a season for everything is true. And that my season as a co-host on the Sacramentalist podcast is coming to an end. And that this is in fact, my final episode with you all it. And so the only way you're going to be able to keep up with me listeners is if you somehow find me and my phone number and get a hold of me, which I'm trying to get off the grid. No, not really. I'm not a prepper. I promise it, but I'm not, not a prepper yet. Yeah, oh, you sound, yeah. you oh, sound yeah. like you might be. That sounds like what a prepper uh, would say. Yeah. I've watched some prepper uh, TV shows. Trust me. I'm not a prepper. These people are fun. 
fun to watch on YouTube, not fun to live, I think. To live in that much paranoia day to day. Anyway, but yeah, that's I'm going to be taking a step back. Really, it's to focus on church, family. Um, and, and if I'm being honest, anyone who makes a podcast does so for selfish reasons. And what I mean by that is you feel that you have something to say for yourself and that you yourself need to work through and process some things, maybe for the sake of others. But, you know, there, there's some internal stuff as well. And I feel like that the sacramentalist has done that for me and that I feel like moving forward, that can be a chapter of my life that was wonderful and was fun, but is 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 coming to a close and that I would like to then pour my time and attention in my children who are getting older into this new project at St. Mary's Farm and into some other endeavors. And so I, I do say it's been it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed all the listeners, uh, even those who were uh, critical and didn't know what they were talking about. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've I've enjoyed the listeners. I've enjoyed the engagement. I've enjoyed the opportunities. I mean, just a couple months ago, I zoomed with a deacon from New Zealand yep, asking me questions. In essence, his questions were, Father Miles, I can't do the accent. Father Miles, what do I do? Everyone's reformed and I'm more high church. And, and I, I said, yeah, I don't know. That's rough. I guess just pray to Mary for the salvation of their souls. I'm not sure what you do. I'm, I didn't really say that, but it was, it's the opportunities to have, to meet people, to talk, to share. The fact that you listeners out there actually listen to me is kind of amazing to me. So it's been a blast. And I've greatly enjoyed working with you, Father Wes. Uh, many times I've joked to other people, maybe even on the air. I don't know. We've made like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of episodes. I can't keep up with it. Is that this is really the Father Wesley show and I'm just his sidekick, no. which he laughs at. The other way that I've explained it is uh, it's Father Wesley's academic show at times. And then I try my best to just put that in language that I understand <laughs> No, because no. I'm not, I'm not the brains of the operation and father Creighton, of course you, uh, you bring that Anglo Catholic dynamism that is so wonderful and so otherworldly. Literally it's from the Commonwealth, not America. So it's great. So I'm going to miss you guys and maybe I'll make a guest appearance one day. I think I think we will have to check in with you every so often with the farm and everything. And it, it really has been a pleasure. And it, actually, the one family that's moving there with you is basically uh, the husband is the reason why we have a podcast. Um, that is he true. Had, he was my boss at the school where I taught in Roanoke and said to me, oh, you've got to come over to the house for for beers and meet Father Miles. And that's where we started hanging out. And I mean, it wasn't too long after that that we said, you know, we should start, just start a podcast. Yeah. Um, and we so the question it. I have for you two is, is the podcast over? No, the podcast is not over. Uh, like I said, this is the last episode of our spring slash summer season of 2022. Um, it ended up going a little longer than we than we had anticipated, but it was good. It was a great season. We had lots of good discussions and read some really good books. And I think it was it was a lot of fun. Um, so, no, it will not end. We will take a, a, a month or two hiatus and then come back. Um, in the fall. Um, and, and we hope to have maybe some um, some additions to the podcast that will be exciting and, and interesting. And um, and we'll keep plugging away and, and doing our thing. Of course, checking in with Miles and as much as we can um, and all that. But uh, but yeah, we'll, our plan is to continue continue going forward with this for sure. 
Yeah, I think that the uh, there's still a lot of interesting things to talk about. There's still a lot of uh, fun people to interview and uh, I think work to do. Um, you know, it sounds somewhat prideful and I, I, I don't mean it to be, but um, the, the podcasting space in terms of Anglo-Catholicism in terms of uh, kind of what we're doing is still pretty pretty slim. I mean, it's a pretty uh, neglected sort of strange little corner of the internet. But um, I think you know, I think uh, we still have we still have some legs. Um, we will miss we'll miss Father Miles, obviously, um, and his constant references to Dollywood and chickens. Yeah, yeah well, we, well, it, we don't have any more rural voices on the podcast. Well, right. I know, it's true. We'll still text, and uh, and you'll miss all my inappropriate comments that I get called out for on the podcast. True. Yeah. That is true. true. That is some true. of which we edit out, and some of which accidentally make it into the uh, episode. That's very true. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be a bit of a new uh, a new phase for the podcast, but it will will we'll continue to go and um and and continue to to promulgate uh, Anglo Anglo Catholic. Uh, theology and our um pusyites and um and ritualists and all the all those bad words that the reformed anglicans uh throw at us um so anyways so the, yeah that, them that, proudly. Them that's proudly. right that's right so that so we're going to continue and and we'll be back in the fall in just a, just a few months well father miles we really will miss you it, it really has been an absolute pleasure uh working with you and um yeah, it's hard to say goodbye, but we know that you're going to be on to uh, on to important work uh, with your parish, with your kids, with your farm. It's going to be great, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this project plays out. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, one last uh, what we're into with Father Miles. Father Miles, what are you uh, what are you into these days? Well, goodness, I I felt like I talked enough. You all know everything that I'm into. No, what I'm into right now is uh, next week. I'm going on vacation and I cannot wait. So we're, we, this will be the third time. This is going to sound really like really upper class. I promise it's not. It's like, this is our third time going on a Dominican all-inclusive vacation. So, but we always cash in credit card points. So it works out well. So I'm just looking forward to, I feel like with the, the, my time in the podcast coming to an end, moving to the farm, um, and these other families coming there's, this is kind of one of those seams in life, right? Where, where one, one season closes, another season, uh, starts. And it's always good to mark seams in life by kind of extended periods of rest, or at least that's how it's worked out in my life. So I'm looking forward to going, sitting on the beach, sipping some cocktails for about seven days and just enjoying. We've been to this resort before. It's the best buffet in the world, in my opinion, it beats everything. I mean, the food there is just stellar. It's um, even better than any buffet you could find at Dollywood. Which <laughs> they don't have buffets at Dollywood, you dumbass. I'm sure. I'm I know. I'm sure they have buffets at Dollywood. That's oh, I'm sure they do. They actually have southern, uh, yeah, the quintessential southern thing. That's true. So I, it's kind of lame, or maybe it's a little bit of rubbing your face. But I'm going to the Dominican next week. <laughs> I don't think that's too bad. I think that's I think that's exciting. No, that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'll get to do a lot of reading. Yeah. Oh, what am I into? Um, I'm also going on a trip next week. Um, I will be in 
the UK. I'll be in Oxford for most of it. Uh, I'll be at the Pusey House Theological Conference, um, which should be a really fun time. Um, some pretty stellar standout uh, presenters will be there. Um, so uh, Malcolm Geit, Rowan Williams, Andrew Louth, just to name a few. N.T. Wright, it's going to be uh, quite a few pretty interesting people. Um, looking forward to it and looking forward to spending some time in, in Oxford. Uh, it's a beautiful place, one of my favorite places to be and uh, recharge, but also to, uh, you know, enjoy some, some investigation, some good theology, things like that. Uh, and maybe when I, when I get back, I, we can do a little breakdown of what happened and sort of uh, some of the more interesting uh, presentations. Well, you're underselling the real reason you're going, which is to make a lot of new connections so that we can have a lot of great new podcast guests. Exactly. Exactly. All right. All right. If you get Rowan Williams to be on the podcast, I'll come out of retirement. <laughs> well, don't, I mean, I'm going to ask. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask. I, I, Andrew Louth would be one who I'd be very interested in speaking. His book, Discerning the Mystery, is fantastic. And I would definitely, definitely love that. But yeah. I mean, any of those guys that would speak at a conference like that would be an awesome, awesome guess. So, yeah. I think it's going to be pretty star studded. It's going to be uh, a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I think these sorts of things, uh, this particular conference uh, happens yearly and it was put off because of COVID uh, over the past two. So I think a lot of people are very excited that it's back up and running and Pusey House is such a nice place to be. Um, and so I, th I think it'll be, I think it'll be really good. I think these sorts of things are good for the church. Um, and the, uh, the focus of it is, uh, is on the Holy Spirit. So uh, tackling uh, the third person of the Trinity from a, a few different, dif you know, angles and and ways to to think about it. I know uh, Malcolm Geit is going to be looking at poetry, mm. um, which I'm excited about. Uh, Milton Elliot, a number of others. Very cool. Uh, so it should be really fun. I'm I'm greatly looking forward to it. I leave on Friday, um, so very nice. Should should be a good time. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Mine is not nearly as exciting or fun or adventurous as either of you. Um, I have been told in the past uh, that I'm neither exciting nor adventurous. Um, and that is true. Um, so uh, my wife and I, we've been watching the fourth season of Stranger Things. Um, and uh, and that's been really good. Um, as listeners may know, back in the day, I, I wrote an article in Relevant uh, about Stranger Things, the first season, and how it retells the gospel. Yeah, and it's, it's I what got, got you on the map. Yeah, right on the map. Um, yeah, on the map of pulpit and pen, some crazy discernment blog that wrote this article about how dumb I am um, and and just shredded this article apart. And then the next day, Babylon B came out with an article, too, about seeing God in Stranger Things, and it was sort of poking fun at, at what I done too um but it's okay it was it was i i love stranger things and i i actually do think that um that that there's a lot of resonances with uh with theology uh to be explored there and everything so um i i probably won't do anything about this fourth season as far as writing anything or anything like that but i, I have been enjoying it and um it is it is a really good show um so anyway so we've been into that we still have one more episode that last episode's kind of long and then i think um on this friday they come out with uh the sort of final episodes of the season so um anyways it's been really good 
So, and of course that Kate Bush song running up that hill is like the theme of the, of the season this year. And now that's just in my head all the time. So it's a good song, quintessential eighties. So anyways, well, listeners, thank you for, uh, for supporting the podcast, uh, this season. We really appreciate, uh, that you're listening. If you like what we're doing, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can rate review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. You can also join the communion of Patreon saints over at Patreon for just $5 a month. Um, and to close us out, uh, Father Miles, would you uh, would you pray us one last prayer? I would be honored. And as I said before, what a joy it's been to be the co-host of The Sacramentalist. May the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen.